Hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. Super glad to see you guys here this morning. We are in the middle of a series called Let's Stop Pretending. And what we're, what we're talking about in this series is relationships and learning how to interact with one another in the same kind of love you know, that, that, that God has demonstrated towards us. I'll remind you of the verse that kind of kicked this whole series off here in a bit, but I want to get us started by kind of introducing you to what we're going to talk about. Um, on May 22nd of this year, uh, I, I will have an incredible privilege. Uh, my wife will have put up with me for 20 years. I know I don't look that old, uh, yes, she certainly doesn't look that old. It's not fair. Um, 20 years of marriage coming up here in just a few uh, months, okay? And here's the thing. I mean, our marriage has been perfect the entire time. Notice how the first one to laugh was my wife. That was, that was, that was great. Uh, no, it is not. Marriage is hard, Right? Wow, okay. Some of you don't want to get elbowed, so you're not saying anything. Okay, that's, that's good. Merit, marriage is work, and it's difficult. I remember in, in the early days of our marriage, I remember some of the, well, we won't, we won't call them fights, okay? Uh, you know, we had uh, Christian discussions, right? We'll just call them that. We had these discussions that, uh, you know, where, where she, she uh, came from a family uh, different than mine. Yes, we're from the Midwest, not down, down south. So it's, you know, yes, different families, okay? She was raised one way and I was raised a different. And so, you know, uh, sometimes we would see the world differently. Can anybody identify? <laughs> okay, all right, all right, good. Thank you, Ed, for being honest and raised his hand. That's great. <laughs> Here's the thing, we'd have these discussions, and here's what would happen, okay? She saw things her way, right? She, she you know, she, and she doesn't know this is coming, so I'm, I'm sorry, but she saw things her way, and then the reality is, I saw things the right way, okay? And, and... And, and what happened along the way is as, as we were having these discussions, I was kind of like, I was flabbergasted. I'm like, how can you not understand? And I, I wanted to say along the way something like this, like, babe, if you would just see things my way, well, then we'd be on our way and everything would be fine. And some of you are afraid to laugh right now because you're like, yeah, been there, done that. Thankfully, over time, uh, in all reality, I, I learned that uh, that is not true at all. I learned that um, <laughs> every single relationship takes work. Work to know and understand each other. Work to uh, learn from each other and learn how to prefer one another instead of doing what all comes so naturally for all of us, preferring ourselves. 
And that's why over the course of the series, we've been coming back to Romans chapter 12 in this verse. It's kind of the, the key for this series. In verses 9 and 10, it says this, don't just pretend to love others. And I, I, I'm going to include this today as we talk about our marriage. I'm going to include marriages. If you are here, married here today, we, the call is going to be for us to not pretend to love each other. To not put on a face and have nice pictures on Facebook that everybody's like, oh, they're just gorgeous. And then what's happening behind the scene is anything but. But instead, really love them. And here's the thing. I do know that for some of us, this feels impossible right now. I'm not naive enough to think that in this room, there, there aren't marriages that are really hard. I'm not naive enough to think that in this room, there aren't relationships that don't have all kinds of walls between them that were built one brick at a time, and those bricks, instead of you know, being removed, we mortared them, and we let them you know, solidify, and we built walls. I, I realize that what we talk about today could be hard. But I want you to know that I think that there is hope for you to do just this. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. And I, I, I want to show you how today, or at least one way that you can go about it. Now, before we dive into that, I've got a couple of things here for you. Some of you here today, I realize, aren't married, okay? And that, that's, that's fine. Some of you aren't married now, if you've ever been divorced, this is probably not, not true of you, okay? This may not be true of you, but if you've been married and divorced, uh, you, you may not be quite this naive, but those of you who've never been married, you're pretty sure that if you do marry, if you ever get married, your life's going to look like a Hallmark movie, like it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Let's talk afterwards, <laughs> okay? Um, if you've been married and divorced, you, you know you know the pain that can come with it. Because nobody can hurt you like the people that you are really, really close to. And if you've never been married, if you're here and you're a, you're a, you're a young person or maybe even later in life and you've not been married or you're a teenager, I just want you to know, um, more than likely, um, it, your, your, your life's not going to be a Hallmark movie unless you work at it. Probably not going to be a Hallmark movie anyway, you know. <laughs> Second, some of you are married, and from the outside looking in, things aren't perfect, but everything looks pretty good, at least from the outside. And, and maybe it is good, I, I, I don't know, but I, but I know that we are so focused in our society on image and not really focused on actual character that I hope what we talk about today will be a genuine help to you. And here's the third reality. Sometimes our relationships look like a bomb went off nearby. Sometimes our relationships, more than looking like a garden where things are growing and being cultivated and good, they look like a battlefield. And there's casualties. But here's the thing. Here's what Scripture tells us. The Scripture tells us that there's no quick fix. 
but there is hope. The scripture doesn't give us like some, you know, silver bullet. There's no, there's no silver bullet that's going to fix everything instantaneously. But there is hope that if we catch this principle that we're going to look at today, things can actually grow and change. Whether you're married or not, this can be applied to every single relationship. Okay? This can be applied to every single relationship. Now, the, the main verse that I'm going to look at today comes from a passage of Scripture called, um, what you, some of you may know it as Song of Solomon. Maybe you've heard of that before. Or you may know it as a, a passage called the Song of Songs. Okay? If you're not familiar with it, I, I want to uh, give you a little bit of an introduction to it. Okay? The Song of Songs, that's a Hebrew idiom that essentially is saying it is the best song ever written. That's the idea. Okay? More than likely written by Solomon. And if you guessed that it's a love song, you guessed right. That's exactly what it is. Think about it. What, what is the number one thing that anybody writes about in songs? Love. Or the lack thereof. Or the loss of it. Or the, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. It's, it's the number one thing that people sing about. Well, songs, Song of Songs is actually a, a poetic song in the Old Testament that talks all about love. Now, I thought about having a couple of big burly guys, maybe like, like uh, Bob Thorne and Bob, uh, 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 Bob Brown come up here and read this to you to have two different parts, but I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you uh, instead because I feel they would probably beat me um, if I did. So, here's, here's how it goes. There's, there's a couple of different... Um, participants in this in, in in the writing of this song there's there's a young woman she's she is the one who's in love with this young man she's referred to as the the shulamite he's referred to as the lover and it goes like this let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth that would be one of the bobs <laughs> for your love is better than wine because of the fragrance, fragrance of your good perfumes, your name is like perfume poured forth. Therefore, all of the young women love you. Take me away from here. That's the Shulamite. Then later, the lover says this. I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. That's the other Bob. By the way, don't... don't don't go home and say that to your wife, guys. Oh, you remind me of a horse. <laughs> okay, uh, that, that's tip number one. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. Uh, your cheeks are covered with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. You, you get the picture, right? Like they're, they're writing and singing and, and, and expressing their young love for one another. Now, the entirety of the, the, the portion of Scripture is not just them singing this like lovey-dovey, you know, we're all going to walk out and be like, you know, kind of thing. It's not all that. There's actually more to it. In fact, in chapter 2, in verse 15, in talking about their love and thinking about their relationship, there's this incredible verse that shows up. It's a little weird to decipher, but, it, but it's really important. It says this, catch all the foxes. 
If you ever wonder, this is where the song, What Does a Fox Say? Came, no, it, it's not. That's not where it comes from. Okay. Catch all the little foxes. That's weird. Those little foxes, why? Before they ruin the vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. What, what's going on? Foxes are incredibly wily characters. Recently, uh, we, we live uh, just a couple miles from here, and we have uh, a little bit of land, and we raise chickens, and we want to raise all kinds of other animals, and recently, we had a little fox, Keyword being had. And he, I'm sorry, yes, some of you. <laughs> yeah, okay. But the fox ate one of our chickens. He started it. <laughs> okay? That's all I'm saying. All right? And here's the thing foxes creep in and they begin to tear things up. They'll eat away at the roots of. of the plants that you want, because they like to eat those roots. I like to have the fruit. So we're at odds. What is the writer saying? The writer is saying is, hey, there's all these little foxes. They're just little. They're not big. Like a fox, you look at it, it's kind of cute. And you see it, and you're like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And, and, and you're not too worried about it. But the reality is, if you have a garden, and you have something creeping in, and even if it's very small, and it's eating away at the garden, over time, what's it going to do? It's going to destroy it. The little foxes will come in and ruin the vineyard. But what kind of vineyard are we talking about? We're not talking about a vineyard with grapes. We're talking about a vineyard of love. In other words... What the writer of the Song of Songs is saying is this. The little things make a big difference over time. More often than not, in all of the years that I've spent pastoring and then counseling and, and then helping people and, you know, and, and helping people through their marriages, and the reality is I help the people through their marriages, my wife and I do, but we, we still have to work on ours. Don't, I don't want you to think that it's just you know, them and we're, we're different. No, that's not true, but more often than not, it is not the big things that cause the problem. Sometimes it's big things. But usually those big things got big because they were little over time and they were left alone. More often than not, it's the little things that we tolerate and the little things that we do over time that start to eat away at what makes a plant healthy or makes a relationship healthy. So what are the little things? What, what are the little things that make a big difference over time? Can I, can I take you to another passage of Scripture? There's a number of places that we could go here, but I, I just felt compelled to walk us through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 since we're talking about making sure that our love is genuine, that we're not pretending with love. So what does love really look like? I really wanted to say what does love got to do, got to do with it. Mm. <laughs> here's, here's what love looks like over time. Look at, look at what it, Paul says. Love is patient. Hmm. Over time, patience with each other. Or let's take the flip-flop, impatience with each other. What does it do? It erodes trust. It sets us on edge. 
It causes us to not want to open up or be genuine or interact with one another because we're afraid that this, the other person is a ticking time bomb and if I do something wrong or say something wrong or look at them wrong, they're going to... Man, patience is a big deal. Love is kind. Like, thinking of the other person and putting them first. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. It's not proud or rude. This, this word rude here would have a lot to do with how we speak to each other, how we treat each other. This word proud would mean that, that we do not think that our way is the only way or the right way, hence me joking earlier about, you know, she had her way and I had the right way. No, I, I, I was pretty wrong time and time and time again. It's not boastful. It's not jealous. These are the little decisions that we make every single day, aren't they? Every day. You make a decision in how you treat each other. Will I treat you with kindness? I get it. It's 5 a.m. You haven't had your coffee yet. But what comes out of your mouth? I get it. Something went wrong. She hit a deer on the way home. What now? I get it. Finances are tight. And you guys are worried. But how you communicate, is there patience? Are you prayerfully working through this together? Or is it a, a, a different way? You see, it's the little decisions. It's the little actions. It's the little ways that we treat each other in our relationships, not just marriage, that add up over time. What, what else shows up? Let me, let me show you what else shows up, okay? Uh, in, verse, in verse 5, it continues on. It says this. It, this, we're talking about love, okay? Love does not demand its own way. Can we just pause for a minute and like if you got a Bible, like underline and circle that one because usually when there's a problem or a fight, it's I know what's right, I've got it figured out, you do what I want you to do. That's the very antithesis of love. That's the opposite of love. How different our marriages would be if in the middle of a disagreement we would stop and go, you know what, more than likely I'm not right because I've got a sinful heart. How different our relationships would be. More than likely I, I, I'm being influenced by something going on inside me. I need to pause. I need to stop. I need to take a little time, you know, have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your struggle, you know. That, kind of, that was an old song when I was growing up, Okay. <laughs> What a difference things, what, how different things would look. It is not irritable. Well, that's a fun one. Because sometimes we're just irritable. Sometimes we're easily set off. Man, how different our interactions with our kids might look. Or our families might look. See, we tell each other that we love each other, and then we demonstrate the opposite. 
this is a call to ask God to step in and really change our hearts. That's what this is. This, this is a call for our homes to look different. I know you may not see this in the culture, and that's fine. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care what the culture does. I care what the Holy Spirit is trying to do inside our hearts and our lives. We are called to not be irritable, but instead uh, <laughs> keep no record of being wronged. Some of us have a list that's longer than a shopping list for a family with 10 kids of the number of things that our spouses or somebody else have done to us. And you know, do, you know what, do you know what needs to happen with that? Here's what needs to happen. I remember growing up, my mom, I'd have to go shopping with my mom, and I hate, to this day, I literally hate shopping, okay? I am so blessed, like, I think I've gone to the, like, clothes shopping like four times in my married life. I know, I'm a loser, okay? I apologize, confession time, okay? I just, I hate shopping. I remember going shopping and she would have this, like, she'd have this list and I had, she'd like cross stuff off on the list when we were in the grocery store. We'd go to Norman's IGA and she'd cross off. You may have a list like that with offenses that somebody has brought against you and what you need to do is you need to start crossing them off by the blood of Jesus Christ because he's forgiven yours, it's time for you to forgive theirs. You want to know the little things that will change your marriage? Forgiveness. That's a big one. Verse 6, he goes on. It does not rejoice about injustice, but instead rejoices when the truth wins out. It doesn't rejoice when the person that you say you love is walking through something hard. You ever notice how our hearts can be really happy when somebody that we're struggling to, to care about get, has something bad in their lives? You ever notice that? It's because our hearts are messed up. You done messed up, eh, Aaron? Like that, that's the reality. Instead, we rejoice when the truth wins out. We rejoice when God mends things and brings out what is true. And then he goes on in verse 7. And in talking about the things that, that, that love does, it, it never gives up. It never stops. And that's really hard when you feel like, nope, the other person has just crossed a line, done too much, gone too far. I don't know what I can do. Now, can I, can I take a pause here for a minute? Please do not hear me say that there aren't situations in which you should back away from a relationship. Next week, we're going to talk about abuse. And we're going to talk about some of the things that, unfortunately, because we live in a sin-cursed world and we are sinners that occur in relationships. And there are times to step away from a relationship. There are times where God has made an allowance even for things like divorce. But I will tell you more often than not, that is not where we should be. More often than not, where we should be is here. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. Like I believe God can step in and change my spouse and change me. I believe that God is still doing a work. And finally, 
It endures through every circumstance. These are the little choices that we make. Patient, kind, forgiving, never giving up hope. I mean, the, the, the list goes on. You can, you can walk through 1 Corinthians 13 for yourself. And before we talk about some ways that we can apply this, I, I want to I, I walk through just one, one little circumstance. What if, what if I'm pretty sure that my marriage is already over? Well, This applies to you, what I'm about to say next, just like it applies to everyone else. It's the same thing that I said before. The little things make a big difference over time. What if you started trying the little things? So let me just talk with you about what I think we should do. I mean, Solomon in Song of Songs says, you know, hey, Catch the little foxes. Catch all the little foxes before they go in and ruin the vineyard of our love. So what is he saying? He's saying, attack the little things that can hurt your relationship. Get the little things out that can hurt your relationship and get some miracle grow and start sprinkling it. That's what he is saying. Well, how do we do that? Let me talk with you about a couple of the little things that if we let them go, they will really cause damage. Number one, one of the biggest problems I've seen people bring into their relationships is this, not solving today's problems today. When, we, when something occurs between us and we don't go and seek forgiveness or grant forgiveness and we stew and we get bitter and we... And he's sitting over there and you're sitting over here and nobody's talking and nobody's addressing it and everybody's just kind of waiting for something to cool down. That doesn't work. There's a song <laughs> that I remember when I was a kid. It's, it's been one week since you looked at me. Anybody ever heard that song? I think far too often that's true in marriage, that we just kind of exist. God calls us to be quick to forgive and quick to seek forgiveness. We need to solve today's problems today. Do not put off dealing with the things that are between you and your spouse or dealing with the things that are between you in your relationship. They're not going to get better. Now, sure, there are times that we can forgive by overlooking. Okay, There are times that we can overlook one another's shortcomings or failures or sins, all, all sorts of things. Yes, there are times that we can do that, but when we just go, eh, whatever, she's never going to change anyway, or he's never going to change anyway. I've been doing this for 20 years, and they haven't changed yet. What you're doing is you're letting the little foxes. That's what they eat like, you know. That's, Sorry. That's what they do. And it's eaten away. Number two, one of the biggest problems I've seen is negative talk and comparisons. This shows up when we're little kids. 
We learn to call names. We learn to talk down. We learn to say things that are designed to cut. Scripture tells us that there shouldn't be any corrupt communication proceeding out of our mouths except that which is profitable for building up and encouraging those who hear. If we check our words by that criteria, I think our relationships would be different. When we call names, when we tear down, when we compare, why can't you be like, why can't you look like, why don't you act like, why don't you, when we do that, I mean, it's, there they are again. I'm not going to do the face thing. Okay. Little by little by little, they're eating away. I just wonder what would happen if we would repent. Like if we would stop and say, Lord, change me and, and turn and go in the other direction. I do not want to use my words as a weapon, but I want my words to be a tool that help build up. Are you using a sword or are you using a trowel? What are you doing? Third, when we are too busy for each other. I got this, and I got this, and I don't, I, 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 I barely have any time to, to, to see you or talk with you, much less go on a date with you. When, when was the last time you took a day off to have a date with your spouse? Well, that's fun. One of the best things my wife and I ever learned, we stumbled onto this, partially because we were in a, we were in a place in our marriage where we were just stagnant. And so we decided like seven or eight, I don't know how many years ago it was, six or seven years ago, we decided, that's it, we're going on a trip. And, and we had young kids, and so it was nerve-wracking, you know, but we thankfully, uh, we, we, our parents were nearby, and we we're like, Mom, Dad, <laughs> thank you. And we went for like two weeks. I know that's a long time. And it was like one of the first times we, 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 we had nothing else. We went... I, I, Okay, I owned a business and I was pastoring. I had to go out of the country to get my mind to a place where I could focus on her. And we did. And we started a rhythm of every year doing that same thing. I mean, it, it changes so much. Now that, that you, you know, financially you have to figure out what works for you and your family, but having time for you in marriage, is imperative. If you're too busy for each other, then it's going to eat away at the roots. Now I want to show you a picture. And then I'll close this up. Look at this picture. These are friends of mine. That's Jeremy on the left. That's Carrie on the right. And they're two kids. What a beautiful picture, right? I mean, I see that picture and all I see is like, man, these two like adore each other. And what you don't know is that about six months before this picture was taken, these two couldn't be in the same room with each other. 
What you don't know is that these two, about six months before this picture were taken, uh, was taken, were in my office every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. And then Carrie got to the place where she literally had to one day when Jeremy was meeting with me, and I didn't know this was going to happen quite like this. We had a different plan, but one day while we were meeting, she went home, packed up a couple bags, and then she was gone with the kids, and he went home, and she was gone. How did that happen? I mean, they'd been married 15 years. It happened a little bit at a time. But then you know what happened? Jeremy got in his car and he he called me on the way and his first response was he was angry. He was mad. And I get it. But by the time he got to my office, he walked into my office, a different person. He fell down on his knees and he began to weep. And he realized that his business was running his life. And the things that he was focused on were taking him away from his family. And that he was not learning how to love his wife for who she was instead of who he wanted her to be. And he was doing all of these little things along the way that were just eating away at the roots. And frankly, so was she. And over the next six months, as she lived someplace else, actually she came back and lived in the house, he went and lived someplace else with another guy who was pouring into him and discipling him and working on him, we began to see the two of them grow back together and learn how to love each other. But it was a lot of little decisions along the way to get back to that tell you this because it's the little decisions that you make day in and day out. Are you going home? Are you investing in your wife? Are you meeting with God and with her? Or are you going out, doing your own thing, doing whatever you want? Is it guy time or is it home time? What is it? Is it gal time or is it I'm going to spend time with my love? Which is it? Because the foxes will get you. A couple of years ago, my wife and I learned to ask some good questions. When we would go out on a date, we have some questions that we ask each other. They go like this. And before I put anything up here, I'll tell you what they are. We, we say, number one, like, hey, what, what, what was the best part of your week? And we just listen. Number two, what was the hardest part of your week? And we just listen. Number three, um, how did you feel loved this week? Or... And then sometimes we follow it up with, where did you not feel loved this week? I learned a lot in those conversations. And then I started asking a little question where I said, hey, what, what's the biggest thing that God's been putting on your heart that you're afraid to tell me? And I asked that once. She told me, she goes, she goes well, I, 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 I feel like I've been praying about foster care. And I was like, that's it. I'm done asking that question. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. And then we ask, how can we pray for each other? So here's a couple questions I want to leave you with that you might want to start asking. The first one is for you. Am I laying my life down for him or her? Because frankly, that is the essence of a good marriage. It stems from Jesus laying his life down for you. That's the call for you in marriage. Number two, how did you feel loved this week? Number three, how can I pray for you? I just wonder what would happen if we started doing those little things. 
stop pretending. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his love for us. I pray that you'd help us to live that out in our relationships, whether it's at work or at home, whether it's in marriage or dating or whatever it may be, that we would put the other person first and what is best for them first, not ourselves. God, we need your help in this because we are far more selfish than we want to acknowledge. So please change us, I pray. In Jesus' name.